Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. Hello and welcome. And today we're getting ready for the NBA Finals. Game one tipping off tonight. A lot in the air. Some things on the floor. But overall, just got to break it all down. And that's that. You just have to do it. You just got to do it. Got force to at this point. So, tonight seems like Giannis will not be playing. Listed as doubtful. Milwaukee Bucks in an interesting position because, listen, we saw the last two games. No Giannis played pretty well, albeit against a Hawks team, missing Trey Young in one of those games, a hobbled Trey Young in the second game. And a hobbled bogey. And a hobbled bogey <clears throat> as well, yes. But there was some stuff there that I think is worth taking away. Um, so let's just, before we get into the whole Giannis circumstance, I say we kind of evaluate this team without Giannis and what there is maybe to be excited about and what the real downside is, because I think we both agree they're not going to be a better team without Giannis, but they do do different things. So in the context of the Phoenix matchup, how do you see them playing against the Suns tonight with no Giannis before we go to the Sun side, obviously later? Yeah, they're definitely going to play a more traditional, you know, point guard brings the ball up and they run a specific motion with Drew Holiday, trying to get Chris Middleton involved in action. Chris Middleton will definitely get more space in the mid-range. I think they might try to give him post-touches or maybe an extended post-touch because Giannis isn't there anymore to kind of clog it up, which isn't a bad... It is a good thing, but, you know, they're dealing with what they have. So they'll have different looks, a lot of different opportunities. We saw Chris Middleton went off, and I think it was the game right before the the last game of the series. Mm -hmm. So I'd look for him to probably do that again, at least try to get his shots up. And then Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez will be the swing factors. I don't think the swing will be a big difference, but at least tonight. Yeah, I think that you touched that on it at the end. I think that although all the attention is going to go to Drew and Chris, Lopez and his role has definitely been altered through the Giannis injury and his involvement. Uh, I think he's played probably his best basketball these last two games on both sides of the floor. He's going to offer a different matchup for Aiton that he hasn't seen quite yet. I mean, he played against Jokic already, so it's not like he's playing. He hasn't played quality centers yet. Right. But Lopez, he does a little bit of everything on offense. You know, we saw him kind of go into that post game a little bit more. I mean, when Giannis on the floor, it's not really something they ever do. Lopez is exclusively a court spacer on the offensive end. Okay. But his involvement's a little bit more now with Giannis out. So I'm interested to see if they start running stuff through him. It's still going to be a lot of Drew and Chris, don't get me wrong. That's If, if those guys shoot the ball well, then they got a chance. And if yeah. they don't, they probably don't have a chance. But Lopez is going to be a factor to watch, for sure. Yeah, as a juxtapose, I think Aiton hasn't come against, come against anybody like Brooke Lopez yet, where maybe the closest thing would be Jokic in terms of how physical and how big he is. But you knew Jokic was going to be primary facilitator, primary on the ball, as opposed to Brook Lopez, where most of his buckets, I mean, he was a floor spacer for the most part, but he crashed the glass a lot, and he had a lot of offensive boards towards the end of that series. So just kind of not knowing when he's going to act or when he's going to come out might be kind of a weird thing for Aiton to figure out, at least early on. And then he's just, you know, he's a lot bigger, just a square guy. Yes, he is large. He is large. He's a big body, a lot to handle, a lot of meat down there. But let's... so. We got to talk about the on situation for a second. So, what does what does Giannis's absence? What's the biggest hole on their team right now against the Suns? Like, what are they miss going to be missing the most against the Suns with Giannis not presumably not in the lineup tonight? We don't know when he's going to be back, but where does that hurt them the most? You think? 
I'd have to say fast break because realistically, yeah. you know, the Suns like to get out and push. Obviously, that's Giannis's kind of marquee. If you put the ball in Drew's hands, you put the ball in Chris Middleton's hands. These are they're not like older guys, but they definitely have a more slower paced style of attack, especially with Brooke Lopez. You don't really have anybody that's going to try to push it. I, I top down really. There's just kind of floor spacers and people that'll work in the half court, which isn't terrible. But when you're playing against a Suns team that specifically likes to push the pace, you're going to have to try to catch up with them or, you know, play to their level at some point because they're going to get there. They're going to be able to control the pace for a time. Yeah. Yeah. Giannis, that's, yeah. He is the most, probably most devastating player in transition in the league. And I think it just makes, when Giannis isn't playing, it's just going to make Phoenix's matchups a little bit easier, I think, to navigate because... I mean, you pro- teams for the most part have kind of been putting their bigs on Giannis. Uh, we saw, you know, we saw Brooklyn with Blake uh, Griffin who did an okay job, but you know, Giannis came through in Game Seven, had a big game. Capella, he was doing all right at first, but Giannis started to get his momentum until obviously he got hurt. It seems like that's kind of a trend where the centers guard him, and at first they get a feel, but then once Giannis kind of gets the rhythm, knows where he knows what steps to take. You know, those which direction take the Euros, that's when he can still kind of dominate those matchups. Yeah. I wouldn't love Aiden's chances against Giannis, and that would force probably Jay Crowder on Brook. I don't know who Jay Crowder is going to guard this. Cause that's a good question. Milwaukee doesn't really have that wing that, I mean, LeBron, obviously, the Suns played, and they threw Jay Crowder on him, and then Paul like George last series. Denver might, was, they didn't care. It about. might just be Jay on Middleton. Because he's theoretically yeah. the best offensive player, and he's yeah. still in the wing kind of. Size That'll be an range. interesting matchup because I don't know if that's. I don't know if I love that for yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, I don't think it's a good one, but it might be the one. I guess Mikal will be on him. They'll probably you know scatter in between. Mm. Yeah. What do, wanna... think is, mm. what do you think is? What do you think is the big thing the Bucks are missing without Giannis? Yeah, I think it's just manufacturing half court stuff. I mean, that listen, their offense looked pretty good the last two games with Drew and Chris, and I think that Chris is inconsistent. You know, I don't think he's a superstar, mm. but he's, you know, he can get shots pretty well on his own. You know, he, he's yeah. definitely a shot creator. He's definitely a bucket getter guy who can make contested shots. And putting the ball in his hands, it's it's not a bad option, but Phoenix's defense is definitely better than Atlanta's. And I could see their Milwaukee's offense stalling out a little bit. Even in the half court, I still would just like to have Giannis as kind of a safety valve where you throw him the ball on the, on the block. Not like a post-up kind of touch, but, you know, one of those mid-range touches where just force his way to the rim, make stuff happen, put guys in foul trouble. I just don't know if, if Drew and Chris are going to be able to horse the load offensively for the whole night because Phoenix is a much better defensive team than Atlanta was. So yeah, it's I mean offensively that's where my biggest concern is. Defensively, Giannis does a lot for you as well, but Milwaukee's played really good defense all year. Brook Lopez has been I thought Brook Lopez was probably one of their bigger drop-offs in the regular season. I didn't think he was as good as he was last year, but playoff Brook Lopez has been pretty good. I trust him in the playoffs. Drew's been pretty good defensively. Chris, not a bad defender as well. They don't have a ton of weak points defensively, except maybe when Brent Forbes gives you minutes. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Brent Forbes. Do you think they're going to run the same starting five they did last game? I'm trying to find exactly what it was for the I, seven game. The, game seven. They, w- they went Bobby Brook. Bobby Brook, okay. And then Tucker, and then Chris and Drew. Right. So I was going to ask, do they keep bring, do they bring Brent Forbes out early to see if they can space the floor so Middleton or Drew can kind of get to the rim? 
I think they're going to stay with what they did last series. I mean, Bud... He does like to stick to his uh, He likes to stick guns. to his guns. And listen, it worked pretty well. They kind of... They, you know... They kind of went into the... Once Giannis went down, I think the mindset was, all right, we're running our offense through our two guards. They're going to have to They're gonna have to make shots. They're going to have to make plays. They're going to turn the ball over because they're going to have the ball in their hands a lot. But we're going to rely on them. And then the other guys, it's, it's they got to be... They're, they're brawlers. We, you know, we're going to have... We're going to have Brooke. We're going to have Bobby. Pat Connaughton's out there just running into people. Throw haymakers. Yeah, I think it's just a lot of chaos... And then hope that those two guards can take you home. Which, listen, it's not the worst situation. And it's not like they're going up against the Brooklyn Nets with James Harden and Kevin Durant. I mean, yeah. it's it's not unrealistic <clears throat> that Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton can outplay Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I, yeah, no, there's... I, I prefer Phoenix's backcourt, but it's not... We're not talking apples and oranges here. Yeah. There's definitely a there's definitely a way, a rhyme, or reason. Yeah. But... I have, about... I have one question for you, though. Okay. Pivoting off the honest thing. Because we saw... With Atlanta, Trey Young in that game six, and listen, he didn't play well, but you could kind of understand why he's out there. He yeah. still is there as a shooting threat. He's still there as a passer. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It seems like Giannis is missing tonight, but say Giannis is—I don't know—whatever percentage you think he may be, but that's not one hundred percent. Right. And he wants to come back game two. Whatever. Prop that would probably only happen if they lose tonight. If they win tonight, I have a hard time believing he comes back game two. Okay. But if they lose tonight, because Giannis is just he's just a different play. Like having him at not full strength is different than having Trey Young not full strength because he's not a shooter and he relies so much on those physical tools. And if you're not kind of using him in a heavy volume, like having him as a decoy just isn't that useful. If he's not downing the glass, but all, yeah. all that stuff. Do you want do you want Giannis out there if he's not full strength? Well, uh, that was the question I was going to go. I was going to okay. tell you we're re-pivoting <laughs> okay. back to Giannis. Okay, but, okay. Um, mine's a little different, so I'll, I'll get it yours first. Um, I, I mean, obviously you want Giannis there in full strength. You can't get that. If you could get 80%, who knows if that's even the possibility. Even if it's less than that, I would still be open to it. Realistically, Giannis would have to change the way he's playing. Like he's not taking the ball up. He's not sprinting down court every one, every you know every possession or trying to run fast break. You might put him into more of a center role where he's actually like down in the post trying to body someone mm. and not maybe not particularly trying to get what's his every time, but he's just orchestrating the offense through that spot. Uh-huh. Maybe putting DeAndre Ayton in a weird position where he's not used to it and. I don't know, making people cut, making people get open for threes and see what happens. Yeah. Kind of like LeBron's, you know, four out. Mm-hmm. But Giannis is just in the post, backing down until he finds a spot. And then, yeah, my question to you was, at what point in the series do you think Giannis is like, I have to, I have to try it? Like, like what Harden did with, against Milwaukee? Uh, I think, it's really hard to say. I just don't, I, it's, I'm just yeah, not sure where his body is. It's a guesstimate. Yeah. If the, I, if they're, down to whoa, I think he's got to play game three. Yeah. So I think I think if they lose tonight, I give him a 50-50 shot to play in game two. If they're down 2-0, I'd be surprised if he didn't play game three. But again, yeah. it's hard. I mean, it seems like a hyperextension. This, I mean, listen, if this, if this was the regular season, he'd probably sit out like a week or two. Yeah. And it uh, yeah. doesn't seem like there's anything structurally wrong. I mean, we saw MB got this injury in the regular season. Um seems like it's kind of like a pain tolerance thing yeah. and I, I guess you know prevention for future injury and i'm not really qualified to speak on that but i don't think it's anything like you can't play but 
what's the risk, what's the reward, how good is he? That's all stuff I can't really gauge, but right. yeah, that's where that's where I think. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely in the same vein where it's like if they're down, if it gets to the point of two zero or two one, then I think he's definitely gonna. You're gonna hear more rumors. You can't say that he's gonna be like I need to yeah. play. You're gonna hear more rumors where it's like Giannis wants to play. It's, mm-hmm. it's time to let him loose. But yeah, so do you think it's gonna? Let's let's shift, let's shift to the Phoenix side for a second. That's where I'm going. Okay, fair enough. Do you think it's going to lead into a if? <clears throat> what's your possibility or percentage wise for it to be a Suns sweep? Very low. Low, very, very low. low. Mm-hmm. All right. I'd say fifteen percent. Fifteen. Okay, so it's not super low. It's... Ten percent. Okay, <laughs> we're getting there. Twelve point five percent. Cut your di- your hedge your difference. I just I think listen I, I mean if I would think the Suns are going to win tonight and I pick is I do I'm going to pick the Suns to win the series just because the Giannis is uncertain and I mean that's a big thing I don't know what I, I mean I'm not super I'm not super confident in this Suns team and they play really good defense this playoff but this is going to be a different challenge defensively as well they haven't really played um heavy volume guards that are going to put you in pick and roll that are going to that are going to hunt guys like they have tonight. I mean, just look at the matchups and I think that's why the playoffs are interesting different because like you can't just say like oh, they beat the Clippers in 6 even though all these teams were hurt, but regardless, they mm. beat the Clippers in 6, they beat the Lakers in 6, they beat the they swept the Nuggets and then just assume that you know like all of those all of that success is going to translate because each challenge is different. And with Milwaukee's backcourt, I mean, Drew and Chris are playing really good Really good basketball, really good offensive basketball, making a lot of shots, putting pressure on the defense. Chris is playing with a lot of confidence. Suns haven't faced a backcourt like this. And while the Suns are very good defense, they're very good team very good team defense, their weak links are at the top with those two guards. I still think that and listen, Chris Paul competes, he's not a bad defender, but the dude is six feet tall, putting it generously. Devin Booker, I think, is the weakest defender on the team. Maybe campaign, but he's the weakest defender in the starting lineup at least. So if you got the you got the Bucks, two best guys, their two best players are those guards, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. I'm I th- I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be able to get shots. And I think that if they can make some make some of those, you know, pull up threes, if they can get into the sweet spot, uh in, into the elbow, you know, force Aiden to make a decision. I think they can have some success. So, I if I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan, listen, it's a bummer that Giannis isn't playing, but I think this is a really good team, and hey, you know, you got those two guys. They, they something can happen. Yeah, I think Phoenix. It's going to be interesting to see how they adjust because I don't know if their personnel if their personnel greatly matches up with the challenge. Yeah, that the Bucks present. I also think the Suns are going to win it. I don't know. I'm not confident that it's like you know set in case done done, but. <clears throat> It'll be interesting throughout. Um, when, as you were talking about it more, I kind of see the the matchups where Milwaukee's bench might be even shorter than it is now. They might be forced to run. They it might be dangerous to put Pat Connaughton out there or Burton Forbes because realistically, Dev Booker or Chris Paul are just going to sit on them in the corner or just watch them on like Pat Connaughton's like yeah, you know, just inauthentic cuts. Mm-hmm. So having Jay Crowder probably on Drew Holiday and then McCall on Middleton. Uh, it seems like they have a very good switchability. You know, the way they run it, they also have Cam Johnson. They, they can run a lot of switching things. And so it'll be interesting to see where 
where Milwaukee is able to get points from outside of the two, obviously Brooke is a factor, but yeah, yeah, yeah. outside of Brooke, when you get outside those three, can you really trust anybody? Maybe yeah. Maybe will go crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, listen, that's usually what these games come, come down to. It's, is, is P.J. Tucker going to hit those corner threes? Right. Are you going to get Are you gonna get minutes out of Brim Forbes? Are you going to get solid minutes out of Pat Connaughton? Um, yeah. But listen. Is Devin Booker going to pull Trey, just sit in the corner with P.J.? That seems to... Seems to yeah, be they could. I mean, listen. The, yeah, we're, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with Booker. Um, I think with PJ, and we saw it last series. Even though you can hide on him defensively, he's crashing the boards every time. Yeah, and the 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 battle on the glass is going to be extremely telling because Milwaukee is kind of fully pivoted to that strategy. Like their their offense isn't beautiful, and they don't get a ton of easy looks. But they got a lot of guys that are physical. They got a lot of guys that hit the the boards. I mean, they're a very big team, a very yeah. big team with a lot of height, a lot of length, and they're gonna muck the game up. So, and listen, Phoenix can play in that setting. They're a solid half court team. We know Chris Paul can orchestrate a half court offense just about as well as anybody. Um, I gotta, I want to ask you about Phoenix's offense. So, Suns offensively, like, what situation? So, in what if the Suns? win the series, what do you think happens on offense for them? And if they lose the series, what went wrong on offense for them? If that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if everything's going right, I think the offense is basically carrying the way it did last series, except Devin Booker's mid-range stays hot throughout. In the beginning of the series, we saw Devin Booker really was on it in the first probably two games. He was just hitting everything in the mid-range, just going, getting wherever he wants to. And Until Chris Paul came back. Up. Whoa. <laughs> Don't start that narrative. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the first few games of that series and then towards the end, he really couldn't hit anything. It was, it was tough. I don't, maybe it's the Chris Ball narrative. Maybe it's, maybe it's PB really stepped it up on defense. But I don't know. I mean, when you have that kind of clicking, everything else is firing because realistically your half court is set with two guys that can go get a bucket whenever, wherever. Mm-hmm. And other than that, you predominantly are a fast break team and you can get your offensive boards just per chance with DeAndre Ayton down there. So the offense is going to click. Yeah, they're gonna do well regardless if he's probably in the mid range or not. But having that is just like that extra oomph. It's like okay, that's mm-hmm. it's over the top. And then if they're losing, I think, I think Brooke Lopez carries over his Trey Young esque pick and roll defense where he's not dropping back as much or he's playing that in between, and it stymies Chris Paul as much as you really can stymie him. You know, because you're not gonna completely stop him. You're gonna get in his way. Yeah, and we saw with the Suns offense like when it's bad. I mean you. Even look back to that game they won, which was eighty four to eighty, I think, against uh, the Clippers. <laughs> what like the Suns can get into these modes where it's like pick and roll and everybody just stares. Yeah. That happens. And if you're another team, that's what you want. You don't want McCall Bridges, you know, Main cuts. Yeah. Can you on backdoor cuts? Uh you don't want Cam Johnson, you know, running around for open threes. Like if you can just turn it into like a Chris Paul ISO game, because another thing with that, they don't get threes out of those yeah. actions like they they really it's it's a lot of mid-range and you know sometimes the booker will try to force the way to the bucket but they don't get a lot of open threes out of those looks and that's when the suns are really killing you is when they're kicking it out to jay crowder for open threes they're kicking out to cam johns for open threes campaign gets in there he's making open threes when it turns into just a pick and roll stagnant Slot. offense yeah that's when it can get a little mucky and it's going to be very interesting to see how the bucks defend it because i think that's kind of that's the biggest thing to watch tonight, at least at the gate. Like, what is the initial strategy? Because you're gonna have to adjust at some point. Yeah. Because 
the Suns are going to adjust and you're going to have to counter adjust, kind of like anticipate the adjustment in a way. But what is the initial strategy? Like, what would you do if you were the Bucks defensively? Because you know they're giving you a heavy dose of Chris Paul and Devin Booker pick and rolls. Would you guard those guys differently? How? I mean, you know you're not going to like outright switch because that's a death sentence, especially when they're probably putting Brook Lopez or Bobby Portis into a bunch of right. pick and rolls. But <clears throat> I mean, I'd probably let them try to beat me in the mid-range. I'd you know, force the offense to funnel them into that area where they're right before the paint. Stay out in your guys on the three. Obviously, the corner is going to be like Jay Crowder or Mikal Bridges or Cam Johnson, one of two of those three. Mm-hmm. And then DeAndre Wright is going to be there to crash. So if you keep Brooke Lopez down there, kind of hang- anchoring the paint, I guess Bobby Portis would be your second guy when Brooke needs yeah. a break. But I don't know. I don't know how Bobby feels as a center, especially in this kind of matchup. But yeah, just kind of stay on your guys, force them, funnel them into that that key spot and just make them try to yeah. beat from there. And one thing that they start to do with Atlanta, because after Trey Young torched them for 46-whatever points yeah. in the first game, they, they started to do this thing where it's like the defense didn't look a ton different, but when – and they could do a similar thing with Chris Paul because obviously although Chris Paul and Trey Young aren't the same player, I mean, they both like to – that in-between area, I mean, Chris Paul does it with mid-range jumpers, Trey does it with floaters. But they could do this thing where – so the ball screen comes and then it's not a switch – but, like, Brooke is kind of occupying that area, and he's yeah. so big that he still bothers you. And but and he's there, so he's cutting off the lob. Right. But, so he's, like, kind of doing both. And then, say Chris will snake baseline. Now you switch, but by this time, there's, like, eight seconds left in the shot clock. Right. And they did that with Trey a little bit because another thing with pick and rolls is it's, like, it can be kind of slow because when you get the ball in the half court, like, usually by the time you set your offense, there's, like, I mean, you get the ball over half court, especially off of a made bucket. Yeah. There's like 15 Yeah, 15 seconds left. So if you can kind of just survive that initial attack, like survive the attack from the three-point line to the elbow to like the rest of the paint, if you can right. just survive that and not give them an easy look off of that, I'm okay with you switching it like a late switch because by that time it's too late to throw it to Aiden, which they don't do anyway. Yeah. And it's too late to like really drag him out and do a pure iso. So that's when you kind of force him into a bad yeah. shot. It's a good way of looking at it. I also thought, <clears throat> I don't know if Giannis is going to come back or when he does, but if you flip him into that Brook Lopez role where he's the one either you know backing off on the pick and roll, mm-hmm. I think he'd be he'd be able to very easily make up for Chris Paul's speed or Chris Paul's ability to get a shot off because he's so lucky uh, yeah. and he's a lot more athletic. Hey, honestly. So if he just yeah. jumps straight up, I mean, it really hurts the... And they started doing some switch with Giannis. Yeah. I'm fine with switching Giannis on Chris Paul. I mean, just, I mean... Mid-ranges over Giannis aren't easy. Like, I mean, yeah. Giannis isn't going to be, like, in his jersey, but... He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, yeah. And he's got, he's got the long arms. Like, I, that would be really interesting to see because I don't... I don't and Trey Young stops doing pick-and-rolls with Giannis. He, he's, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, He started just... He was going after Lopez and Portis. I don't think he really liked... <laughs> you know, fun he, time. He didn't like the Giannis switches. They didn't... They weren't fun. And I don't think they'd be fun for Chris Paul or Booker. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm... I think the biggest kind of swing factor is going to be the pick-and-roll defense and how that goes, initially at least. Yeah, I mean, it could very much just change on an axis when Giannis comes back if that's the way they want to go with it. Yeah. Or it could just be, you know, completely different paradigm with him on the wing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. Hmm. Coaching? Coaching matchups? Coaching matchups. What do we think about these coaches? I think that, I've got to <laughs> take, I don't think Monty Williams had a great series against the Clippers. Because I think once Chris Paul came back, they didn't play well. 
And I think part of that is on him where – and listen, they won the series. So I'm not going to say he did a bad job. Monty has done a very good job overall, hmm. especially defensively. I think that defensively is where he's really made his stamp on that team because offensively I think they're just kind of – they're kind of playing the strengths of their personnel, which is good. Hmm. But defensively, they've, he's gotten – I did not think this team would be this good defensively. I didn't think any would be playing this well defensively. All the role guys are very bought in. There are, you don't see a lot of breakdowns from defensively. But I think offensively, sometimes I, I could I, a little. I feel like a little bit can be desired. And listen, Chris Paul was spectacular in Game Six, but overall, I don't think their offense was great against the Clippers. And Milwaukee is better defense than the Clippers. Uh, I would think they got a full strength. Yeah, definitely full strength. I think they might even be now. They have That's possible. They 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 got a lot of size, and Brook Lopez is better than any defensive center that the Clippers have. Yeah. So. Coaching matchup, probably not to the Suns, but... So you give the coaching edge to Bud? You just no, I don't. I don't. But, uh, <laughs> so who is it? One or the other? I don't know. You got to give it to someone. I'm giving it to the Suns because... So you are giving it to Monty. I am, but I'm just saying, it's. I don't think it's as clear as people say. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if Bud... I think Bud is like starting to feel himself a little bit. Because I think he's done a few things these last few games that have worked well. I've liked his rotations the last few games... I've liked their offense, even though like they don't they don't have a ton of weapons. They they have two like real weapons, and they're just trying trying to fill in the blanks around those two guys. I've liked the way they played the last two games, and I got to give Bud some of the credit for that. All right, so you're on the Monty Williams wagon. I am, but I'm just saying I'm not. I, I think people are just right. They're they're writing in that like the Suns are going to have that advantage. I'm not hundred percent sure. You know, I don't agree with that either. I think honestly, <clears throat> the way we're riding the seas the series before. I'd give it to Bud. He's he's kind of figured out a way to, you know, manage his guys in a way that actually works with who he has. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to carry over to this specific series, but he's going to be competitive. He's going to keep his guys in it. And he's going to write up, write up stuff that you know gets Devin Booker in trouble, catches Chris Paul on you know bigger switches you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. So I think he knows what he's doing in terms of getting the ball into advantageous matchups, and I think he'll probably just continue to do that because all you really can. Yeah, just wait it out, and hopefully Yana shows up. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, in terms of game one, I it's it's a field out game, and, but listen, the, the Bucks they they really rely on those two guys. Without Giannis, like they, they they don't manufacture. The thing with Giannis is, even though it's not pretty, like he's the best kind of. I I think he's one of the best outside of like Kevin Durant and Kawhi. Like I think he's one of the best single, especially before crunch time so like just kind of throughout the game he's like a floor raiser for your offense because of the looks he can get because of the second chances because of the way he can physically dominate just any matchup so you're not going to get like those i mean Giannis is good for 24 points on a bad night on whatever efficiency usually not terrible efficiency yeah so you got you got to find those easy looks somewhere else and it might be because they muck the game up and the pace goes down Maybe they get big time shooting at other guys, but I think they're going to struggle offensively in the half court. But hey, I don't think I don't think that the Bucks are outmatched even without Giannis. Yeah, they can definitely keep it interesting and you know chalk up in a, a win or two that they might have not been able or might have should not have. Yeah, but all in all, where do you put the series? I think I'm I'm going to be optimistic about it, and I'm going to say Suns and seven, just because I really want a seven game series. Uh, I'm picking the Suns. I I said throughout the like 
I, I thought that the Suns were better than the Bucks, even at full strength. Like I was saying after the Western Conference yeah. Finals, but I wasn't particularly impressed by the Suns last round, honestly. I mean, they, they won and they deserved to win <laughs> and they outplayed the Clippers, but I don't think this team's a juggernaut. And I, the Giannis thing is a huge question mark. It's really hard to... I've never... We, I don't think we've had a finals. Actually, I mean, we did in 2019 with the Kevin Durant situation. Yeah. But this is... Uh, it's hard to it's hard to gauge it, but I'm going to go hopeful. Suns in seven. Yeah. yeah. I, going over what you were just saying, I don't think the Suns did what they could have done last series. Like, they didn't show their true potential. And it's not a point of like, oh, they're just going to show up next time or next series. It's are they going to wake up and actually go to like the exact extent that they really can, or are they just going to kind of keep cruising with what they have? Because what they have now is might just win them a championship. Yeah, but yeah. it also gives you a lot more variability. Like it could mm-hmm. just botch. Yeah, but saying that, I still have the Suns in six. I think it's going to go two, two for the Suns. Maybe Giannis shows up on the back end, and when they go to Milwaukee, they take two off, and then the Suns win two more to win it. Okay, Finals MVP. Best player in the world. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's a tricky situation. I think they're going to give it to Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Anthony Davis, LeBron last year. It's it's LeBron or CPs to lose. I'm picking Booker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you pick AD last year? No. We'll see. That narrative, baby, it changes. Yeah. Do you want to do some rumor mill wrap up? I've been seeing some weird stuff. What weird stuff are we talking about? I've been seeing... The Kings want Ben Simmons, and they're willing to shop out De'Aaron Fox. That would be so foolish. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I can't argue that. But what do you think? It de- what kind of deal do you think it takes to get it done? Because do their sal- their salaries do match up? Because De'Aaron yeah, they're both max, on max extension. Yeah, the Sixers are definitely giving up more. So would it be Simmons, Maxi, maybe Furkan for De'Aaron and you probably bad throw, contract? You probably their first in there. First or maybe two picks. Does that really help? If it did happen and the Sixers core wasn't that shattered, does that really make a difference? I don't love that Sixers team. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think they'd be... I mean, I like De'Aaron. I don't think he's... I think uh, De'Aaron's very good. I'm I'm a fan. I don't think he's an elite point guard today. Not yet, at least. No, exactly. And if you're trying to pair Embiid to somebody, you'd like him to be an elite player. Right. I think Fox is very good. He's a star, I would say. A young star. He's burgeoning. An up-and-coming star. Um, Not an elite number two on a championship team. Yeah, can't argue that. I guess maybe the Sixers are talking themselves into it because Tobias comes... Because they're still thinking Tobias will be that guy. Yeah, I mean, listen, not to make this into a Sixers pod, but the whole... Like this, this whole conversation is different because Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid, and he's been injured nine thousand times, right. and he's probably not going to be in his prime past age of thirty four. So, that changes things. When if you had if your best player was Stephen Curry, it changed. It's different. Yeah, it's different yeah. when you're dealing with a guy who's seven two or whatever, three hundred pounds, and you're just not sure. So, that changes things. I think that maybe if you know, maybe if Embiid was in a different mold. Maybe you talk yourself into Fox because you'd say, okay, give it two years, give it three years. Right. Now the process we're gonna, is backing up the road. Yeah, just just a, a mini step back for a greater outcome. But with the MB uncertainty, it really makes it urgent. It makes it more urgent than it already is, which is already very urgent. Is it too late to call Zaire Smith up from the G yes. League? Yes. Are you sure? I think he's still on his rookie minimum. <laughs> Should we do a eulogy for Team Canada? 
Oh, that's a good point. And then we can uh, transition into another thing I've heard. You go, you 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 talk your RJ did his he did yeah, his yeah. thing. No, I have, I have nothing just to fuck Trey Lyles. That's all. <laughs> Trey Lyles really botched that. RJ yeah. showed a lot of different things in the bag. Granted, the competition is lower, but yeah, I really like that. He just does the full steam ahead. I think that's like an old depot thing where you literally mm. just go downhill for a step and then you jump backwards. Mm. Yeah, that's nice. It's he's never take, he's never taken that shot. Yeah, and he so. did a lot <laughs> in the Olympics or qualifiers, or whatever. Yeah. Anyway go back to the Knicks for a second I heard there's a lot of rumors that they want to get one of Terry Rozier Colin Sexton or SGA so one obviously there's different is not like the other one <laughs> of those things is not the same uh, so obviously there's different levels of price point I think you can I think we can all figure it out who would you prefer at the specific price point obviously SGA is the higher one Sexton's mid Terry Rozier's lower I don't want Terry Rozier on the team. Sexton I like as a player. I don't like him for the Knicks. Yeah. And, yeah. So. (laughs) Leaves you with with what? Getting SGA? I'll get... I'd have to look at the... I would give up... Tell me this is enough. I'd give them quickly. I'd give them Toppin. I'd give them... One of our first this year, and I give him a first next year. I can't argue with that, honestly. If if we could flip quickly into get, another honestly, first this take, year. Take Mitch, too. Take Mitch, too. I, I think you're selling low on Mitch. We could probably crater the deal around I'm big on Mitch Shea. and OB. I know, I'm a big Shea guy as well. All right, so I mean, you're, getting, you're getting a franchise point guard, and you're saying, I don't know. Right, but you're not going to send in all your chips just for... I don't know if that initial deal is getting... I'm just saying. I think I think if you tie in Mitch, that that brings the price up. That, that brings the price down because Mitch is a still a very valuable asset. People want. Yeah. You put him on a on a Thunder team and maybe you know develop him with, I don't know, him and Kemba just run pick and rolls all day long, with no spacing. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I think the price could be pretty high for Shea. I mean, he's Agreed. A, he's a borderline All Star twenty, whatever twenty three. Yeah, I mean, that's like. Yeah. No, so, I would do a lot of things to get Shea on the squad. Yeah. I've already made my commitment mm-hmm. to Canada basketball. Him and RJ are playing together. Yeah, just change the colors, red and white. <laughs> just red. We'll just go to, I guess we'd go to Ontario. Toronto's kind of the big spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, no, I'd do the same thing for Shea. I think you're underselling Mitch's value because people want him. People legitimately would, you know. He'd be an interesting trade piece, and then him and tying with a late for or an early. A first-round pick from last year were, like, Obi, and then one or two from either two from this year or one from this year, one from next year, might be able to get it done. And then yeah. you start sweetening from there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would... Maybe that first deal gets it done. I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to... Like, the Thunder is... It's really hard to gauge what they're trying to do. Like They're just trying I to mean, get the highest value and flip I mean, them. theoretically, they should just keep Shea because he's young. But they might just be saying, like, they might think their timeline's like even like Shea's already past it, which is Shea, Shea won't even eclipse. Their, he'll be twenty seven by the time <laughs> they get like their slew of picks in what is it twenty twenty six? Yeah, it's it's really something else going on in Oklahoma City. It's really something. It's hard. It's hard to gauge exactly what they want right now. Right, and we're gonna see. This will be a very interesting thing. Cause we've never seen it where you just have an almost like a satirical amount of picks to the point of we want to trade for people. But are you going to ever get to that point? Or are you just going to yeah. ride it out and see what they turn out to be? Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's yeah. a lot going on for sure. 
Anyway, yeah. So, even when the hoops aren't going on, they're still fun to be had. Mm-hmm. There's always shenanigans. All right. Well, that'll do that for the NBA Finals Preview Pod. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back at some point. Maybe if the series gets, hopefully, the series gets good, and we'll do like yeah, a we'll game game five preview or something. Chalk it up. We'll always be back for we'll be dra- back for draft coverage. We will. We're trying to trying to do mock soon. Maybe this week even. We could. We could. We definitely are getting our our scouts out there. Yeah. Well, that'll be that. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. As always, check us out on all platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor app. Check us out on YouTube, Hoop Scoop. Catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.